Good morning, and welcome to Disney's Animal Kingdom. Hi everyone, this is Hester. For your safety, please stay seated with your seatbelt fastened nice and tight while you ride. Be sure to watch your children, and please keep your hands, arms, feet, and legs inside your dinosaur. This is Seeker. Listen up. We've got to get in, grab the Iguanodon, and get out before that asteroid hits. Let's roll! So, from all of us here to all of you there, thanks for coming, and have a wonderful day out there in the animal kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, direct from a record-breaking two million years at the bottom of the evolutionary ladder, let's hear it for the W Radio, your information station. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the WW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangello, and this is show number 321 for the week of April 21st, 2013. I'm here to help you have the best possible Disney vacation experience and bring you a little bit of Disney magic wherever you are with this podcast, as well as my videos, blog, live Wednesday night broadcasts, special events, my Walt Disney World trivia books, CDs, and more. You can find it all over at www.radio.com. And today's podcast is brought to you by audible.com, where you can get a free audiobook download by visiting audibletrial.com slash Radio. There's more than 100,000 books to choose from, including many Disney books like the Ridley Pearson Kingdom Keeper series. Again, you can sign up for free at audibletrial.com slash Radio. So to celebrate the 15-year anniversary of Disney's Animal Kingdom on Earth Day, April 22nd, 2013, and hopefully help you enjoy, explore, and appreciate this beautiful park with a message and a mission, this week we're going to take a very close look not at its history, but the experiences that you can enjoy and may have overlooked today. So we're going to share our favorite secrets of Disney's Animal Kingdom, things you didn't know you could find, do, learn, and eat in the park. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week and pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package. Then stay tuned at the end of the show because I'm going to announce the date and details of our WW Radio On The Road event coming to the New York, New Jersey area this summer, as well as some more updates at the end of the show. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. On April 22, 1998, Disney's Animal Kingdom, Walt Disney World's fourth and largest theme park, opened to the public appropriately on Earth Day, as was the first Disney theme park to be themed entirely around animal conservation. It was a philosophy that was once pioneered and embraced by Walt Disney himself. Currently the largest single theme park in the world, it's the next one to celebrate a milestone here in Walt Disney World following Magic Kingdom's 40th and Epcot's 30th. It is celebrating its 15th anniversary on April 22nd, 2013, and Disney is going to be celebrating along with its guests. And to honor the park and its legacy and mission, creators, cast, details, and stories, 
we want to look not at the park as a whole, but in yet another way to hopefully help you understand, appreciate, and enjoy it even more. Because like everything you see in Walt Disney World or any Disney park worldwide, it's like an onion with many layers, or as some prefer, a cake with much more to enjoy underneath that sweet, pretty icing on top. So this week, Ryan Wilson from the Main Street Gazette and I are going to take a look at and maybe even introduce you to a few of our favorite secrets of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Things you didn't know you could find, do, learn, maybe even eat at Disney's Animal Kingdom. So I want to once again welcome back my good friend, fellow intrepid explorer, Ryan P. Wilson Matua. How's it going? Now that now that I've said it once, it's gonna stick stuck with it, me forever. It's, it's there forever. And you know, with the whole onion thing, though, I was like, the park's gonna gonna make us cry. I think like, I don't understand. What are we doing? And you know, it's funny, and and, and I've talked about this in the past, and uh, and I have to link in the show notes to a, an episode I did years ago, because Disney's Animal Kingdom, and you correct me if you think wrong. I think to some people still sort of holds that moniker as the quote-unquote half-day park. I completely disagree, and I actually did an episode a while back where I made my argument, so much so that I laid out day by day and almost hour by hour, how Disney Animal Kingdom can and should be a two-day park. Because I, I think, Ryan, this is the one, and this is why I think this is, this is going to be a fun segment, because it's so rich, it's so beautiful, it's not meant to be... I Look... I think they shouldn't have maps at the front, right? I think you should just go wander and meander and see where those paths take you because this park for me personally is not about the attractions. It's about the park itself. No, you can get the attractions out. Yeah, go ahead and rush to the attractions if you want. That park has so much to it that it's so incredible. And you're right. I mean, I've written pieces about, you know, in defense of Animal Kingdom and, and you know, raging against the fact that people call it a half-day park. Because there, there's so much there. There's so much story there. There's so many details there. There's It is. It's layers to the cake, layers to the onion. Uh, just incredible wealth of experiences that you have to actually take time to, you know, stumble upon search out and really just you know take time to to meld with and we've talked we've done a couple of segments relatively recently in the past about things mm-hmm. like um uh, the Kilimanjaro safaris we, and we talked about sort of this philosophy of the park that i think some people say well i don't care i'm gonna go ride everest i want to go see the shows but i think understanding that philosophy of the park and this sort of this childlike love of animals as pets and in fairy tales and then sort of that physical experience and that sense of adventure and then a more mature, respectful, intellectual appreciation and understanding of these animals and conservation. I think as you start to look at the park that way, and hopefully what, some of the things we're going to talk about are going to maybe sort of bring some of those things to the fore- forefront, I think you really can have such a, a good, rich, fun, uh, and yet maybe, dare I say, even educational experience, um, whether you are, are a kid or adult, by sort of picking up on some of these little details and the significance behind them. Definitely. It, it, it bookends so well, you know, for the adults who want a more mature experience and they really want to get dig into things to the, you know, unabashed wonderment you can get from children, you know, the first time they see a giraffe. You know, yeah, the roller coaster is great for them, you know, if they can, if they're at that height requirement, but watch them watch a giraffe walk by and then start asking questions yeah, the park just has something to really bring everyone, you know, that experience that, that they're looking for, whatever it happens to be. So I thought what we would do maybe is 
sort of go land by land, you know, because because it really is like the Magic Kingdom, right? In terms of its lands and its introductions, and there's a lot of parallels and analogies you could make between those two parks. So mm -hmm. I think, why don't we sort of just start at the beginning, sort of going through the Oasis to Discovery Island and talk about some of those little, I put, I'm using air quotes as if you could see me, some of those secrets about things that you could maybe see or do or, or learn from. And yes, I said half-jokingly, maybe even eat. But some of those details that maybe a lot of people overlook. And I think that, that you know, that for me, there's one that I like showing people even before you step foot inside the park. Yep. I know where you're going with this. <laughs> and, it is, and it is. It's so, it's, it's, it's that break from, you know, the, you know, this cluttered world, this very, you know, organized streets are paved, you know, lines intersect kind of world. And it, it moves you slowly from that world into the vegetation, vegetative world and the wild nature side of things. So, yeah, as you come from the parking lot of Disney's Animal Kingdom and head towards the Oasis, right, you need to really take a close look at the surroundings even before you step foot onto the pavement by the entrance because this Oasis is sort of meant to be that a transitional element. Like the Imagineers, you create portals throughout places like the Magic Kingdom. This is sort of that buffer between the real world outside and this beautiful park inside. If you look around, you'll see things like uh, some of the buildings have that that arts and crafts style architecture of the mm -hmm. early 20th century in Southern California. But that's really secondary. That's not what you're supposed to be looking at, although it very much ties into the natural elements that they use in the design. But look at how – look, stand in the parking lot, right? Stand in the parking lot itself. Yeah. Look how barren it's supposed to be. There's nothing green yeah. out there, right? Normally, like, you go to the parking lots in, in Epcot or other places – there's those sort of greenways in between, sort of breaking right. things up. That's not present there. But as you start to walk towards the oasis, I tell people all the time, look up. Look, You need to look down. Look yep. at how that pavement changes. It becomes more natural. It, it, it becomes a sort of uh, almost looks look as though it, it's sand or dirt until you get to that sort, sort of giant pattern of the tree of life inside. Absolutely. And, and even going back to the architecture like you were talking about, you know, as you as we make our way through our park, I'm sure we'll talk about it. But everything, every building in that, that park was designed to either, you know, enhance and to dedicate itself to the celebration of nature, or is being reclaimed by nature. So watch, you know, you'll see the vines climbing up the trestles. You'll see the flowers, you know, popping in between, where and even in the design where the bricks are starting to dilapidate. But it does. It's under your feet where you get that great tree planter, uh, or the, the sidewalk planter, you know, sidewalk tree looking piece that really you can't see unless you're overhead. But even on a on a ground level, you know, feet on the ground level, you'll see the meanderings, and you, you start moving away from these structured lines to these more natural curved lines. And it, it's so subtle, but then once you you, it's one of those things that once you point it out to somebody, whether it's the show or, or and I'm sure you like me, you do it in person. Yep. It becomes like that aha, like oh, like I've I've walked over this a thousand times, and I finally see it. Right. Yeah. You don't you don't notice it, but now you finally see it. You you recognize it. Yeah, it's so subconscious too. And then you start looking for, you know, where does this branch end? Where does that branch end? You know, and it all merges together. It's just, it's, it's a gorgeous little piece to open the park. Yeah. So, so where after that, where do you want to go to another sort of secret of yours? Whether it's Oasis, Discovery Island, wherever it may be. So, uh, I love, and it's it's kind of a little out of the way on Oasis. There's this great, you know, you have all these great animal exhibits, and there's a great little pathway by a waterfall. And it's kind of that place where you can, whether whether you're beginning or ending your day, where you can settle in uh, and 
really, really, really just sink in, soak into what you've seen or let the world melt away as you get ready to, to go to your next adventure? You are, very, we are very much kindred spirits because you put me by a waterfall and, and you have a happy, listen, I, I, I love the natural aspects of the waterfall and the, and the kinetic and just the sound of that. So I'm totally with you. Yeah, it's just it's a great little spot, and you know, occasionally uh, they have parrots or you know or macaws out there that you can see. Um, but even if it's not, just yeah, let that natural sound go, and just let it let it all come and go as you know, depending on where you're headed. Yeah, and and for me, when you and I'm one of these people, Ryan, that and I tell people all the time, and I acknowledge that you have limited time in the parks, and you want to get to Everest, you want to get Festival of the Lion King, you want to hit all the the, the big things, but. It, this is one of the areas I, I like just wandering, like talking to the mm-hmm. cast members, seeing the animals, because it, it's different every, every time. Uh, but when you do get out there onto Discovery Island, it's such a, a, a relatively radical change in terms of the look and the feel and the theme, right? Because you go from this sort of very natural area of the oasis to something very bright, right? Something very bright and it's colorful and it sort of reminds you of, of the Caribbean or, or the South Seas or or, or uh, um, a waterfront village like sort of out of an mm-hmm. African coast. But this is one of those things that from a distance, it's, it's pretty and it's beautiful. But like the rest of the park, it really sort of mirrors and reflects uh, things that, that you find elsewhere, right? So this idea of the tree of life Sort of our, our love of ha- of animals, we we express it in our own way. That's what these buildings do too, right? The because here, the same way the animals are part of the tree of life, animals are part of the design of the building. And I don't just mean paintings on the outside. You know, snakes go up and down columns, and they're around window frames, and and there's patterns found on. So everything that that you see has a reason and a meaning. Even the building heights are, are deliberately not too high for a specific look and feel. And as we sort of touch on, I'm sure you will as well the specific buildings the animals that are represented in there are there for a reason they tell a story they are all sort of collectively grouped together with a purpose mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean you have things and it is this was the you know, originally the safari village now it's discovery island and you have places like flame tree barbecue where it's all you know predator versus prey so you have you know snakes working their way down the banisters and a mouse at the at you know at the other end uh, you move over to places like the island mercantile, and it's you know migratory animals. So you have birds that are flying. You have uh, you know fish that are swimming upstream. Uh, every every building has its own has its own theme. Every shop has its own message of animal life that it's trying to express. But it is so colorful. It's just it's celebrating everything to do with the natural world. And this is one of those things that you could be standing inside the building and looking around. And you might not be able to collect, connect the dots without those, without sort of somebody helping guide you along the way, right? So, for example, if you go into Creature Comforts, right, look carefully. What what is is not unique about those animals, but what is the similar? What's similar about all of them, right? They're all insects or animals. They have spots or stripes, right? Yep. Zebras, tigers, bumblebees. Island mercantile, like you said, animals that migrate or, or work, right? So you have got geese and, and camels and beavers. Those are some very specific animals. Those are sort of very sort of utilitarian animals like like working animals or migratory animals. Beastly Bazaar is all about water, right? So it's fish and otters and even you'd see bears in there or a seahorse. Disney mm-hmm. Outfitters, those are ones that travel in herds. 
elephants, rhinoceros, rhinoceri, rhino, rhinos. Let's just call them rhinos. Rhinos. There we go. <laughs> uh, you know, and there's nothing. What I love about it is that there's nothing outside explaining that to you. You right. need to sort of piece that together yourself. But when you do, it's almost like a reward. Yes. Yeah, it's when you it's, it's an aha moment. Then you're looking through the whole the whole building, trying to you know realizing all these details and pulling it together. It's great, you know. Now with everyone playing these, you know, the game four picks one word. It's it's in person. Find the, <laughs> find the find the theme here. Um, but it's it's fantastic. Yeah, every every shop you go into, and it there's such a difference in style. You know, whether it's you know almost like recycled found art in one building versus very polished, very pristine artwork in another corner. Um, every, you know, it has its own t- story in the artwork, it has its own story message in the animals that it's collected. Uh, every, every place is just an incredible place to, to walk through. All right, so what's another one of your secrets of Animal Kingdom? So in, also on Discovery Island, and it's kind of quirky, and it's, you know, I, I'm that guy who loves words, and the wordsmith, I love to play with words. If you go and you, you walk through the, uh, the gardens, you know, the Tree of Life gardens, and you, you look at the animal plaques, you know, it's great to talk to cast members, but sometimes they're not around. They have these plaques telling you where the animals are from uh, with some artwork for them. But what I love is there's always a little verse, a little rhyme on each of the plaques telling you, you know, Talking about you know uh, whether it's the porcupines and the quills and wills or uh, it's just it's just that little bit of wordplay that be funny for a child and really stick with anyone who reads them. Yeah, and you know it's what I love about stuff like that is they're, they're throwaways, right? Like they're not yeah. they're not. But when you find them, it's it's like a little prize, right? It's like a little reward when you do, and it's something that, like you said, kids enjoy and adults enjoy as well too. Yes. Yeah. Um, what else do you have? So for me, you know, obviously you can't you ignore, pardon the accidental pun, the 800-pound gorilla in the room, the, the tree of life, right? The, the, the visual weenie, the icon of the park. Um, one of the things that, you know, we all know about all the animals that are, are carved in there. Um, a couple of things that, that I like about this, sort of a, a couple of secrets about the tree of life, um, which I didn't realize until not too very long ago, the, uh, the overall look and the design of this tree was actually we we know that it's it's fashioned on an old uh, on an oil rig right that's sort of where they get the, the base of this but right. the design was actually based on a bonsai tree that was at Epcot's Flower and Garden Festival so the design team is out there on a trip to Walt Disney World looking around and they see a specific bonsai tree and that's what they use as the inspiration for the style and the design of the Tree of Life what I love though is what the Tree of Life almost was, right? We, we heard about mm-hmm. the designs, about it being a carousel, but when it, when they decided it was going to be a tree, at one point, they were supposed to allow guests to go up to the top of the Tree of Life mm-hmm. and imagine the views that you would have of Discovery Island and the river and the park and the safari. More importantly, Ryan P. Wilson, Matua, on the base of the tree, it was supposed to be a restaurant, it was going to be called Roots Restaurant, and it was going to be sort of the premier dining experience in the park. Right, and there were going to be you were going to have all kinds of little experiences going on. It was to me, it all, yeah, when I read about it, it almost felt like we were going to have. Uh, we all know the original Enchanted Tiki Room. Walt wanted it to be a restaurant. I almost felt like it was going to be that kind of an experience in Animal Kingdom, um, and then to be able to go up top and see the safari off in the distance, or at this point, Everest off in the distance. Um, the tree of life is filled, you know, 
is filled with so many incredible details. And I actually did not know about the bonsai. I knew it was based on a bonsai tree. I did not know it was from Epcot, though. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. So. That is, that's incredible. But, yeah, the Tree of Life has some incredible details. I know one that I love so much is when you're walking through it is finding the trails that have been carved out by termites or other insects and the knot holes. Uh, you know, cause everyone knows about all the animals that are carved from the side, and whether it's a buffalo or an eagle. But you know, how many of you get down to that level and you start looking for the trails that bugs left when they got into there, which leads you straight around to it's tough to be a bug. Yeah, and, and if you go through sort of the, the area where it used to be part of the queue for a bug's life, it, it's now called the Tree of Life Gardens. If you walk through there um, and sort of look up, you'll find sort of um, these holes that were sort of bored by the bugs mm -hmm. that were there earlier. And mm -hmm. if you look through them specifically, you'll see, you know, they sort of focus in on individual animals, which I right. think is brilliant. Um, yes. And it, when, I, when I thought about that, I, I kept on thinking about specific animals and maybe why those were chosen and i love the story about uh how jane goodall uh when she first came to see the tree of life commented that there was no chimpanzee <laughs> yes on there so they eventually put one on there and they call it david graybeard to, to honor her yeah it has, a, it has a nice little plaque it's actually right before you go, get into um the kind of like the holding area for it's tough to be a bug there's a plaque and it has it talks about uh her connection to the park and her connection to uh david graybeard and it's just a great carving they've put in there yeah so go ahead give me another one uh it doesn't have to be about the tree but put down your map go anywhere you like Can, uh, well we could spend a whole episode in Dino Land, uh, <laughs> and I know you have, but it's that place is just a wonderland of uh, details for me. Um, I think probably one of my favorite is WDIG or WDIG, <laughs> the radio station that you can hear, uh, the college radio station you can hear as you make your way through, particularly in the Boneyard uh, and inside Restaurantosaurus, um, and it just plays, you know, has great catchy, uh, you know. Disc jockeys who are just comedic, their comedic timing is, you know, impeccable and has great songs like It's the End of the World as We Know It, uh, I'm a Little Dinosaur. I, just, it's, it's, I love just sitting around and listening to that loop. It just makes me smile. Yeah, we, uh, a while back, we did a, a whole segment on Dinoland. And, and I love the story, that sort of the backstory, because people sort of, when they go to Dinoland, they sort of dismiss it. Like, why would Disney build this this goofy-looking midway here? It's so non-Disney. But that's it. That's the joke, right? That's, I mean, it's, the, that's the piece, right? right. That, that's where it's supposed to be. And there's this whole backstory about Chester and Hester and, and the gas station. And if you sort of look closely and sort of look beyond the paint, you'll see that things that, that it was, that building used to be a, a gas station that's sort of out of the, the, the dinosaur treasures. Um, you know, look at the gas pumps. Uh, look at the, look at the dino-rama that's supposed to be in the parking lot of the gas station. More important, look at the volume of stuff that's on the walls and the ceilings of dinosaur treasures, the souvenir shop. I mean, there's a lot about pop culture and and the proprietors and, and paleontology and, and uh, you know, sort of kitschy, uh, tchotchke American history. I mean, it, it's it's a lot of fun to sort of just walk around and look around because you might look, see something like, I remember that. You know, I remember seeing something yeah. like that in the past. But my favorite part, my sort of secret of Dino Land is actually not, um, it, it's not Chester and Hester's. It's not Dinosaurs. I, believe it or not, I, I like the Cretaceous Trail because I yes. think so many people bypass it right it, it's it's a throwaway it's not you know there's nothing sexy about it i like 
passive experiences like this, right? Mm -hmm. Story-wise, it's this botanical garden maintained by the Dino Institute where you're not supposed to go and touch, right? You can walk through and learn about dinosaurs, but really it's about the, these, these very lush, very dense green plants that have been around since dinosaur times. And it, it's just sort of a way to get out of the sun, get out of the chaos, and just sort of walk and meander a little bit because nobody, for the most part, ever really goes in there. And if you have a child that likes dinosaurs, it's a bonus, Yahtzee. Yeah, because they do have the, they have some great figures. I mean, it is it's full of all these ferns and palms and uh, you know all other kinds of you know uh, bunya trees. And I love 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 the plants of Animal Kingdom. I think as a whole, they're vastly underappreciated, um, it, much like the park itself. But you go to each of these lands, you find these great plants, and you're right. I love the crustaceous tail, and it was on my list for that exact same reason: is that it, it you know you get to see all these you know plants that would have been around during dinosaur times and yeah there's a couple of dinosaur figures to look at um but it is it's such a it's such an off the beaten path kind of thing nobody really visits it uh unless it's by accident and i hope that pe when people get on there by accident they do take something away from it they take this you know what how much how incredible these plants are whether it's as a sound buffer whether it's the way they look the way they feel um it's yeah it's it's a it's a great corner of that area of that land Right. And like I said, look, I, I understand if you come to Walt Disney World, you have, you know, three days, four days, you got to try and get all the attractions in. That's probably going to be something that you skip. But I see so many people who are like, oh, I never realized you could even walk through there. I didn't realize it was just there was something more than just a pathway to get me from A to B through there. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is um, so much more. If you really just it, like we talk about with everything in the park, take the time to really invest something in it. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, good. so move on from, or, or stay in Dinoland, because I know you dig, pardon the pun, Dinoland. I do. I'm, I'm digging in Dinoland right now. Um, <laughs> actually, let, just one more piece, and it's my favorite part of Dinoland, and it's just between the Boneyard and as you make your way over towards uh, the Dino Institute, there's a bulletin board that sits right there in the middle of the path. Uh, most people go by it, and the, the amount of detail that's on this bulletin board is incredible, whether it's note cards telling you about the, the students and faculty of the Dino Institute, whether it's uh, you know, these great articles on you know the the time rover technology, uh, other you know postings for people who need roommates or you know someone to sit next to them on the bus. I'm looking at you, animal. Um, but my favorite, my absolute favorite part of it is there is a map on there that, that is Dino Land, circa 1998. It's in you know colored pencil with red and green on it, and it was done by uh, Jenny Weinstein, the you know one of the interns, and it, it's part of why I love it. But it still has Countdown to Extinction on there instead of Dinosaur, <laughs> and it, that bulletin board is just—I could sit there all day and just read it. I love it to death. Yeah, and, and that's one of the things, and and that's why one of the segments that we did a long time ago, which, which I'll try and reference in the show notes this week, where we spent so much time walking through the attractions were secondary, tertiary mm -hmm. to those kind of things where. So much time and so much care was put into creating this backstory about the, the researchers and the students and Restaurantosaurus and, and that that lodge that are so overlooked. And then when you start to dig down into the onion or sort of dig into that cake a little bit deeper, yeah. you really get a sense and uh, not just of the story, but of how deep they really let that go. Yeah. 
Yeah, it was like they turned loose you or I with you know <laughs> just write your own story. Write your, and I'm sure we'd be like, all right, let's go. Like, how far are you gonna let us take this before? And they never stopped them, and it's just incredible. Right, and and as the person who probably wrote that story, that you know, you wonder how many people know it. Right, ninety nine percent of the guests do not look inside those bulletin boards, inside the no. car, at the cassette tapes, you know, what, whatever it may be, and miss a lot of that. Yeah, it's, it, you know, and it's one of those things where, where no matter who I'm there with, I'm I'm always trying to show them something like this. I'm like, I think you, you, to you, you're passing by, it's a bulletin board. I think, but think about what went into that. Right. And yeah, and so it's incredible. But how many people do really take the time to understand what they're looking at uh, is it's probably not as many as I would even hope. And I think for me, uh, the next place I would go is one of my favorites in Disney's Animal Kingdom, right? I think, you know, you, you talk about Magic Kingdom and everybody has their favorite land for a reason or their favorite attraction. And I love the Asia, Asia section of Disney's Animal Kingdom for, uh, for a variety of reasons. And the Maharaja Jungle Trek mm -hmm. is another one of those uh, passive experiences, right? It's not the e-ticket attraction, but I love it because not just for the animals that you can see on it, but because of the story and the details. Because if yeah. you really take the time to look, not through the glass or, or through the net at the animals, but at where you are, right? Mm -hmm. You get the sense that you are in the ruins of the Sultan's palace, right? It was once a hunting, uh, a hunting retreat. Now it's sort of a protected animal sanctuary. And the detail they put into the, these crumbling ruins, yeah. but more importantly, there's a number of murals through there that I so often see people run by or walk past or pay no attention to that really help to tell that story, right? There's the one mm -hmm. of the four kings, right? Sort of about uh, yep. how this came to be. So there's, there's four kings. So sort of the four former kings of this palace are depicted. One is the hunter who built the palace. The second is more about um, sort of pleasures of the senses, right? About the importance yeah. of material wealth. The next is the conqueror, right? He comes and he, he restores his temple after the wars and time has ravaged. And then the final one is this hermit that sort of flees into the forest and hides from people and, and really starts to connect and get closer to nature. But the one that I like is, um, and, and that one's sort of near like the, the tiger viewing rotunda, but the mm -hmm. one that I love is that five panel mural near the aviary, right? Sort of about yep. how man... It's sort of it's a very linear story about how man sort of yes. brought destruction on with that last panel, sort of showing the balance that's restored. Really, a great story with no that's told with zero words. No, absolutely, yeah, like all, like Wally. Yes, it's all these stone reliefs, and you see you know, man come into the you know into the woods and then take what he wants and you know build what he what he, his palace and you know and how that just leads to basically ruin of himself and the world. And how, yeah, the the rebirth of you know, touch, getting back in touch with nature, um, you know, and you and you see that ruin, and you see it coming in the form of some of the other murals that are you know, actually inside the viewing areas. If you take time to, you know, if you can pull your eyes away from the tigers, where you see the up on the walls them hunting from trees and hunting them from the back of elephants, and you know, shooting bows and arrows down at the tigers, um, and now those are crumbling, and so obviously that wasn't the path to take. Um, yeah, it's. The entire Maharaja Jungle Trek, um, all the trails of Animal Kingdom, though, are some of my favorites. But Maharaja Jungle Trek is where I could spend just ridiculous amounts of time, whether it's studying you know, all the arts, architecture, and you know, whether it's the 
water fountain that's there because you know don't you know, they want you drinking from potable water sources, not from the streams because it's not sanitary uh, for people who are hiking through the uh, animal reserve, or it's uh, talking to any of the cast members, you know, whether it's in the bat house or in the tiger exhibit, um, anywhere along the trail that you can find someone to talk to. Uh, it's just it's so worth spending like I do copious amounts of time there. Yeah, and I think, you know, we talk about this, and I understand that we sort of look at the parks um, maybe differently than than the casual right. guest. But when you see people run through a queue of Everest, or you see them run through a queue of Cali River Rapids, or you see them run through the Maharaja Jungle Trek, not because they're trying to get to another attraction, but because they're trying to get to the next animal on the map, mm-hmm. it, it you want them to sort of take the time to sort of look around at the story that's being told. And I know that sort of gets very waxing poetic, but but I, I think Maharaj Jungle Trek is a beautiful attraction. Yeah, it's it's hands down one of the, you know, we talk about the safari, we talk about Everest, it's hands down one of the crowning achievements of that park. I agree, absolutely. So where, where do you head next? What's another sort of secret of, of something you want to maybe, especially something maybe that people might not recognize on their own, might not sort of pick up on their own. Um, I think it, it's you know, a personal pleasure of mine. It's talking about that, that sitting, relaxing, resting, taking it all in kind of a deal. But um, I love to grab a cup of tea from the Royal Anandapur Tea Company. And then so many people bypass that lower garden area next to between it and Drinkwalla. That is just an incredible little area to sit. You can still hear the screams from Everest. You have the view of Everest. Or you can walk right across the walkway um, and watch the uh, different primates who are, who are uh, at play. Um, there's so much in that, just that one little area to do that grab a cup of tea and just walk around and really study the temple that's in ruins. That, that was under repair, but the, you know, the, the uh, submarines have moved in. Or go to the lower garden and just chill. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it always leads me to my, you know, a great another map. I, I'm a sucker for maps, um, but there's the Trekker's Guide to Anandapur, which leads you straight into the Cali River Rapids queue. Um, and if you watch the map closely enough, if you look at it, the uh, the blue dots on there, whether it's you know a shop or a temple, are all fi- real places that you can visit as you make your way through. Cali River Rapids Q, whereas the reds are fictitious and let your mind wander to, well, what could that place be? Yeah, and we need to, um, to add to our con- our, our growing list, uh, we need to really do a, a, a segment specifically on Cali River Rapids, which it, it's not about, it really is not about the attraction itself, because no, the queue, right, the queue is where the beauty of that attraction lies, and you get much less yes. wet. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's all the fun without without the soaking and needing to change your clothes. Because I've done that before. I've gone into the queue and I've walked the queue with people, and then I left. And the cast yep. member's like, "You're going the wrong way." I'm like, "Oh no, no! I, I know which way. <laughs> They're going to get wet. I'm going to get myself a cup of tea and a pretzel and a couple of egg rolls." Yes. <laughs> oh yeah, the egg rolls. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah, egg rolls. Trust me, egg rolls are on my list. <laughs> so, <laughs> that's why I threw it out there. Um, but no, you're absolutely right. Yeah, we need to do Cali River Rapids because it's just. It's such an incredible uh, experience just to to take the time to go through that queue and really dig into what's there. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so we, we mentioned egg rolls. I said in the intro that, that we were talking about things to do and see and learn. 
and eat. So I'm I'm <laughs> I'm going to grab that bull by the horns and say <laughs> there are a lot of places there. And look, and I love Flame Tree. I love Yak and Yeti inside and outside. I love sitting outside Yak and Yeti for for counter service. Um, but there are a couple of places that people might walk by, uh, and I think Animal Kingdom is one of the parks really excels not in counter service or table service, but in the little kiosks scattered yep. all around. Because depending on where you are, the food is very, very different, right? So you can go to Royal Anandapur Tea Company, which I love. There's a wide variety of hot and cold teas. You go sit down there, like you said, by the water, right? You watch um, sort of down going by where uh, like Drinkwalla is, down by the little water, by the boat down there. Mm-hmm. Or... Uh, uh, up country, you can go to Upcountry Beverages. You can sit down there as well. But the place that I really dig, this is my secret, Bradley Falls, right? Yes. People going, where? Bradley Falls? What? Bradley Falls is uh, sort of on the path in between Asia and Africa near Flights of Wonder. They used to have the egg rolls, right? And I shed yes. a silent or not so silent here when they went away. But now they've got this like Asian noodle salad, a lychee salad, edamame, and the Oh, so phenomenally del- delicious summer rolls. Yeah, I thought we were going to say summer rolls, yes. <laughs> go up here at those and go up by Bradley Falls, walk up to that. And people pass by this this babbling crook, you know, little creek. Uh, and don't even realize whether that there are places back there to go and sit and just relax. Um, yeah, it's a, yeah, definitely. Egg, uh, summer rolls, uh, take some egg rolls over if you get them from Yaki Yeti, and then walk up into the woods. Yeah, and that's the kind of like... This is what I love about this park, right? We've talked about uh, in in the past about how your experience starts to change when you come here. At, at the parks are no longer become about running to attractions; they become the park, the place that you go to spend time with your friends. Animal Kingdom, I think, is such a, a beautiful example of that. Like that, this is where I like to go with friends or family. You grab some food, you sit, and you talk for hours, right? You you listen to the sounds of. Everest behind you, or you you sit by the water, or you watch the the monkeys, uh, you know, in that section by um, Asia as you start, you know, in between Cali yes. Rapids and and Expedition Everest. Like that's what this park is meant to be. This park is meant to be savored. It's not meant to be run through. No, no, and and they even did it with like you know trying to get some of these little flowering plants here. So you would stop and see, oh, there's a bright burst of color right here. You know what's going on? Just to try to grab your attention because we are so attuned anymore to just walking by and getting to what we need to get to next, and not thoroughly enjoying you know stopping and smelling the roses, as it were. Yeah, this is definitely, and that's why I said at the beginning, like you should go through here without a map because it's the things that you happen upon whether it's a secret path uh, a, 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 a dining experience some of the other things that I'm sure we're going to hit on like that's the beauty of this park is the unexpected yeah it, it absolutely is and, um, and you do you never know what you're going to find if you actually look um, it, around every corner as, as it were um, yeah so now that I'm hungry for summer rolls and Asian noodle salad, <laughs> where uh, give me another secret, right? Give me something else that maybe people have never seen before or maybe even happened upon. So it's going to tie into the food. Um, but I love when I get to Harambe, um, after I got the safari, after I've gone through Panjani uh, Forest Exploration Trail, I always stop over at Kusafari. And see whatever cupcake, whether it's the white elephant <laughs> cupcake, uh, the zebra cupcake, 
uh, I, I grab a cupcake. Who knew zebras make... could taste so good? I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> mm. yeah, you get the dark and light meat on the same cupcake. Oh, and then... bacon wrapped zebra, delicious. Mm. <laughs> zebra, zebra lollipops. Um, God, I, so hope much... zebra, I hope zebras are not like endangered because I'll feel so bad. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, but I like to take it, I walk across the way into the seating area uh, for Tamu Tamu. Uh, and I'll sit underneath, it, it, you know, they have these great hanging trees, which are the sausage trees, um, because of the type of, like, the way the seed pods fall. Um, and I literally will sit there and marvel at the uh, Swahili plaster carving in that back area. Um, you know, the, the attention to that detail there uh, in the old crumbling fort is just, it blows my mind, you know, you, you it looks like just something that they plastered, you know, they stuck up there and they put a print in, but it's actually in you know, an ancient art form and to just watch the detail there unfold as I watch it is just one of those experiences that never gets old. Yeah. And, you know, and as we were talking about food, as I started to get hungry again, I, you know, I thought back to what we were talking about before about the different creatures sort of the groupings of creatures in, in Creature mm -hmm. Comforts and Island Mercantile and Disney Outfitters. And food led me to places I enjoy. It led me to places like Flame Tree. And I, and I wanted to mention Pizza Fari because that, too, yes. has that same type of thing, right? They have beautiful murals in there from a Disney artist uh, who's Frank Armitage who, that, that tells a story. They brought this guy out of retirement to paint these murals. And like those individual buildings, uh, these murals each represent um, different types of animals, right? And you might not be able to realize it until it's sort of laid out for you, right? So one of the rooms has sort of ornamental animals, right? Beautiful animals like, like peacocks, right? Beautiful right. ones that with, with their feathers. Others like the dining room has, it's sort of like the upside down room, right? Bats, possums, yep. animals that hang upside down. In the hallway, you find these beautiful Oaxacan wood carvings, right? And, and if Oaxacan sounds familiar, you might know about the Oaxacan wood carvers from Mexico and Epcot. There's the animals that sort of carry their own homes, right? The, the snails and the turtles, the nocturnal room, the owls, wolves, you and I, and raccoons, and the camouflage room, the leopards and deers and polar bears. And as you see them individually, you might not get it, but sort of as you step back and take a forest from the tree view, you're like, I, I get it. Each one of these things is different, and here's what they all represent, and it sort of like clicks, and you're like, I, I, I got it. Right, and I think one of the best rooms to actually do that is uh, this camouflage room, because it is one of the larger dining rooms. Uh, you get that full, like you can get that 360 view of looking around, and it almost changes the seasons as you make your way through it. Um, but it, yeah, the art and yeah, Armitage's art artwork in there is just so incredible. Um, I, I know you're probably like me. I've I've gone through it with a camera and just you know spent hours just marveling at all of it, and especially in the camouflage room, you some of the animals blend in so well. It is kind of a trick to your eye to find them. Oh yeah, absolutely, and that's that's the thing about. When you go back, you sit somewhere else, right? You sit in yep. a different area. I, I think, um, and I don't, and forgive me if I if I'm taking this from you, but Flame Tree Barbecue is, mm -hmm. is one of those places, right? You sort of, after you get your food, part of the fun is just sort of taking that path and see where you go because they have all these different dining areas based on different animals. You talked about the predator and prey, right? That the the chairs are predators and the yep. prey are uh, the tables. So you know, snakes <laughs> and mice things, but as you walk through, and I and I suggest walking down and walking down to the right, sort of they have this this Balinese water garden, and one of my favorite spots here. And I've had meats there before. I'm having another meat there. 
is this beautiful, tranquil, quiet dining spot right by the water with this view of Everest. You're sort of surrounded on two sides by water. It's quiet. It's shaded. It's cool. You get this little breeze off the water. It's beautiful. Like, it's a beautiful place to just sit and relax and, like I said before, enjoy time with your friends while eating barbecued meat products. Yeah, that that is probably my favorite pavilion of all the little, you know, far far flung uh, areas to dine for Flame Tree is down by the is down by the water there where you can see Everest. You get a nice breeze off the water, um, and yeah, and going back to the table and chairs. You're right. You know, the chairs the the predator, the table's the prey. And then think about where you're sitting in that moment in the chair with your food on the table. <laughs> like like it, it's the circle of life right there on a plate. Um, Right, they should yeah. have a chair with a human on it and a table shaped like barbecue. Yeah, just ribs. <laughs> just the table shaped like ribs and then that. That'll be fine. Oh. <laughs> oh. Um, so try to think of where I go, where to go back from there because there is, there's so much, I, I love so much of the food in Animal Kingdom because they do, they do such a good job of finding the perfect niche for these, for these items and just building upon it and sometimes you walk right by and you don't even realize and they've been building it up so much recently with Tamu Tamu has has a bunch of new items um you know whether it's the pulled uh pulled beef sandwich or the quinoa salad oh, uh quinoa is uh, good stuff and it's yeah. good for you and it's good for you see kids yeah um <laughs> but uh Animal Kingdom I think above any park right now has been doing such a great job of bringing foods from everywhere and something that tastes good to everyone um, so yeah, the food, yeah, now I'm hungry. <laughs> and I, and I like, you know, it's sort of like uh, a little mini food and wine festival going on there. Cause you walk through those little kiosks yeah. and you can try a bunch of different things. Like I said, you can't get that, e- that, that Asian noodle salad or that lychee salad anywhere else, but there. And I like that, that there's food specific to there. You know, the thing I, I was thinking Ryan about this too, is a lot of things that we're talking about are very sort of uh, artistic or, or elemental things or storytelling things. And I started to think about Animal Kingdom in terms of, of children, right? Because right. we take our families there, we take our friends there, they have kids, and some of that stuff will get lost on them, right? They might be like, oh, cool, I see the animals in the in the chairs, I see the animals yeah. in the yard. But Disney is very cognizant of giving kids those same type of surprises too. And some which are very specific to children that we cannot, I mean, I can because I'm a child height, but most normal sized adults cannot get to because of maybe where they are, right? So it got me thinking about um, uh, the boneyard, right? So inside that boneyard in that kids play area, which we love because it's well-themed, it's a cool story for us, but more importantly, it, it gives kids a chance to run around, expend some of that excess energy. But if you look it's 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 like uh, the Indiana Jones pull the rope, right? There's a door to pull on, and there's a surprise, right? You can find those bones sort of lined up side by side, which is the xylophone, right? So mm-hmm. you can, they can play music. If they step somewhere, it'll make sounds of of a lion's roar or uh, you know different sounds and what like that. And there's even their own little cork bulletin board with these yep. sort of prehistoric dinosaur jokes, which are meant specifically for their age range or people who are like us seven-year-old trapped in 40 some year old bodies <laughs> yeah um i know they always give me strange looks when i go wandering on the boneyard because i don't have kids of my own to take in there but i'm like oh it's just i was like i, I was like can you see this I was like read this joke read it and then everyone gets it and it's like oh this is yeah, so wonderful um yeah and that's that's one of those things that dino land does so so well is you know it tailors to the jokes but it, it has 
it's it's a world of opportunity for kids. You know, whether they're blowing off steam or uh, fighting some something great. You know, like if they're not big enough for dinosaur, they have Primeval World, which is a, you know a more colorful, fanciful version of time travel. Um, yeah, the, but the Boneyard is is so incredible. I love the the footprints that have the the Tyrannosaurus Rex roar or, and the Jeep you can climb on and you can pretend like you're driving. Um, it's and then you walk across the bridge and you just have the dinosaur bones all around you and it's just incredible. Yeah, so I'm uh I have one. I mean, there, I have lots more. I mean, we could this segment could right. go on forever. But I, I, there's one more that I'm going to save, which might not be a secret, but it it. Well, I don't want to give it away, but give me uh, give me your one more. Give me the, the the final one that you really want to sort of make sure people recognize or, or look for when they go. So I think one of the, it's probably one of the most overlooked areas in the park, and it's and it, it saddens me because there's so much there, but it is Conservation Station itself, because people don't you know because it's so far removed from the rest of the park, because you have to take the Wildlife Express to get there, you know. It, People don't venture out that way, and they're missing out on such an opportunity, whether it's to see backstage and see the animal habitats from the safari, or to get there and actually see you know, the, the uh, animal services doing exams of animals. I was there a couple of years ago, saw them do an exam on one of the male lions, and it just blew my mind. Um, there's you know information segments out there, shows you how to build bat houses, shows you how to build backyard habitats. Uh, you know, there's a great pathway where you see all the animals that are so, you know, plants and animals and people this, you know, far away from each other. And as you move down the walkway, this is a great, you know, symbol in the middle where they've all come together and they fit perfectly. Um, there's just so much that Conservation Station offers if you give it the time to go out there and explore it. Yeah, it's war- I mean, look, I love the train ride. Like, I love the train. I mean, I, I love the train station. I love the train ride. I, I love sort of that that sideways sitting uh, railway and sort of getting to see backstage. But you're right. You know, don't rush out to Conservation Station. Let your kids pet the animals. Go into one of those sound booths and then run out. You should really sort of walk the path and do. You know, Animal Kingdom is filled with interactive exhibits. Mm-hmm. Right. Things, you know, I talked about the Cretaceous Trail being a very passive one. The rest of Animal Kingdom is meant to be touch it, feel it, taste it, smell it, whatever. Use all of your senses to that point. um, One of, and this isn't a secret, this is one of the things I think you should do in all the Disney parks, specifically in Disney's Animal Kingdom, is talk to the cast members. Yeah. Because here, more so than anywhere else, they are replete with knowledge, not just about the park itself, the Disney theme park, but about the animals, the, the the story, the history, the conservation. They are some of the, I mean, all the cast members are, but some of the most knowledgeable, well-trained, well-educated, right? For so many of them, this is what mm-hmm. they do. They're not just mm-hmm. attraction cast members. They are cast members who are interested in conservation, in yeah. veterinary medicine, whatever it may be. You could sit and you should talk to them throughout the parks right not just don't just teach your kids to do that but you should do that as well too yes definitely and the and sometimes it's it's really kind of uh right in your face whether you know you're passing by in harambe harambe school where they're doing talks or uh you know anandapur has the culture center right next to yak and yeti but 
you can seek them out. They're, they're, they're right there, and they're just waiting for someone to start asking them questions and to talk to and to share their passion with. I mean, that's, this is their passion, whether it's, you know, I know I've spent 45 minutes talking to a cast member at the Bat House, you know, on Maharaja Jungle Truck once. It, they know so much and they care so much that uh, it's, it's a shame that if, if you don't take advantage of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, and I guess I, I will uh, I, I will finish off my list by saying, in addition to those individuals, um, there's so much great live music in mm-hmm. and live entertainment. Mm-hmm. It, it's look, I, I believe the best way to learn about a culture and people is through their food by sharing their food with them. But another way is through their music, through their right. art. Absolutely. And there is so much authentic music and art there. And you can go and talk to those people and learn from those people because they come from these nations. I mean, it, it's not yeah. uh, it's not a performer. I mean, this is what it, it is. Um, it's a way to, to really sort of understand. But I will tell you, Ryan P. Wilson Matua, there is one in particular that is somewhat of a secret, somewhat not. But I have a particular affinity for. She's like my little Leota of Disney's Animal Kingdom. And and I never, you know, I don't I don't throw the the word love around very easily, but there's a part of me that may actually love divine. I yes. am in love with a plant. I get it. It's like um feed me Seymour. I I know, but I am in love with a plant. She uh if in that pathway between Asia and Africa is this spectacular graceful artist uh mm-hmm. who is a is a a wa- I don't know how to how to describe her she's sort of a, a walking plant that that literally emerges from the foliage right right so graceful so beautiful um you oftentimes can walk right by her unless she comes out onto the pathway but the way she moves, the way she interacts with guests, the way she emotes without saying a word by yeah. just sort of you, by using her leaves and plants. I, I right. know it's hard to sort of describe it, in words, right? I mean, so you could, we could ruin the magic and be like, oh, it's a, you know, it's a person who has stilts on arms and legs. That's not what it is. It's, it's almost like a living vine. And as she moves, as you know, if you watch like a time lapse of a flower, of a flower like slowly opening, that's almost the the method of her movements as she comes out from behind the trees as she makes her way to a new tree uh, it's incredible the first time my you know i knew she was there i saw her and my dad didn't and he had never seen her before and she moved an arm and and he lost it for a second because he didn't know what was going on he saw the trees moving and it and you you just stare in awe. i mean it's just an awe-inspiring kind of a sight she does she has so much grace and so much just yeah just charm and it just sense of place almost to herself that it's yeah she's incredible to to spend time watching and it's interesting because there's a lot of sort of mystery around her because she's not like a character that will stand there and pose for photos you need to sort of capture them as they're happening because she's not going to stop and look you in the eye and she's going to do what she feels like doing she's not going to you know be blue and and you know stand there with his leg out and his arms around you that's not what she does um You'll walk by her until she comes out, and then she sort of quickly draws a crowd. Um, it, it, it's very—I um, I don't know how to sort of describe the experience when you, when you it, see her, but there's it's, so, there's sort of, it's it's like ballet. I, I don't know how else to yeah, other sort of. It, there's nothing there's nothing cerebral about it. You feel the experience with her, and it's just yeah. 
it's like the park comes to life, right? She literally, yeah. you know, uh, she she comes to life out of yeah. uh, um, out of the, the the plants and the trees. So, um, you know, the thing about this, Ryan, is that anytime you do something like this and you talk about your favorite secrets or this, you know that we overlook and or miss or maybe don't know about a lot of other ones. And that's why I love, because as much as this show is a, is a one-way sort of push conversation to people, I want those people who are listening to very much be a part of it, to be engaged and to contribute. So my question for them, for those of you who are listening is, what's your favorite secret of Disney's Animal Kingdom, right? It could be something that's overlooked. It could be a, a food item. It could be a detail, a story, a statistic, a bit of history, whatever it may be. What is sort of that thing that when you bring somebody to Disney's Animal Kingdom, you want to wow them with, right? What's your favorite secret of Disney's Animal Kingdom? Come to the show notes. Visit www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. You can leave a comment in the comment section there. Keep this conversation going. We'd love to sort of compile a list of some of these additional favorite secrets of Disney's Animal Kingdom. Maybe we'll post some of the uh, some of the best ones up on the blog as well, too. Speaking of blogs, nice segue, Mangello. you need to stop what you're doing unless you're driving. You need to stop what you're doing um, and go over to MainStreetGazette.com and check out Ryan Wilson's incredible, beautiful ballet-like handiwork at the keyboard, <laughs> uh, blogging about all things Walt Disney World, from history to details, I love when you talk about food um, to overlooked experiences and everything else like that. I, I say this all the time, Ryan, not just because you tell me to, but I, you are so prolific. You got you crank out content by yourself every single day without fail, and, and it is great stuff. Sometimes things you can only find there, and I, and I love the way you write. So I, I highly recommend it, not just because you are a friend and come on the show, but because I it, it is one of the few blogs that I make sure I read all the time and I really enjoy Thank you so much. Yeah, it's 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 a labor of love, and I just love doing it. Awesome. And listen, we have many, many more segments to hit in the pa- in, in the past. We're gonna we are gonna go back, and we are gonna go into the future too. Uh, so I look forward to more secrets and more dining in other parks as well. Absolutely. I was waiting for you to start singing "Digging in Dino Land." No, I got in trouble last time because I did the the Wilson voice last time. I wasn't gonna start singing this time. It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to challenge yourself to see how well you know your Walt Disney World history or pay attention to the details and what you see or hear for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, let's go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week we traveled to Vianopoli at the Italy Pavilion and Epcot's World Showcase, and it's one that is visually beautiful from the outside, showing the different Italian architecture modeled after St. Mark's Square in Venice and the Campanile and the Doge's Palace. And in the rear of the pavilion is a beautiful fountain, and that led to last week's trivia question, which was simply to identify who is represented on the fountain in the rear of the Italy Pavilion. Again, thanks and congratulations to the hundreds of you that got this one correctly. So glad to see so many of you walking through and exploring the pavilion because the fountain depicts Neptune. He is the Roman god of the water and the sea. The fountain in the Italy Pavilion pays homage to the Turvey Fountain, the original, which is located in Rome. So again, thanks to all of you who entered. You are playing for all six of my virtual audio walking tours of Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, a WW Radio luggage tag, 
button and a signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book, Volume 2. And if you don't win, you can actually get all those items right on the shop over at www.radio.com. And our winner last week is Jerry Avellino. So, Jerry, congratulations. Send me your address. I'll get your package out to you right away. If you played last week and didn't win, thanks again for playing. But don't worry, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So since it's Earth Day and Animal Kingdom's 15th anniversary, let's stay in that park. And here's a very simple question for you, because as you know, that park has evolved and grown over time, literally and figuratively. So tell me this. Which attraction was the very first to open in the Asia section of Disney's Animal Kingdom? When that land first opened, there was only one attraction open. Tell me, what attraction was the first to open in the Asia section of Disney's Animal Kingdom? You have until Sunday, April 28th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time to email your answer to contest at wdwradio.com. Again, you're playing for all the audio tours, a luggage tag, button, and another signed copy of my Walt Disney World Trivia Book Volume 2. So good luck and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks so much for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Please be sure and come by and visit the website over at www.radio.com. There you can comment, share your thoughts about this week's show. Also, be sure and check out our daily blog posts, contests, photo galleries, videos, and lots more. And of course, we want you to share your photos as well, too, for Self Shot Tuesday. So if you took a photo of yourself, your friends, your family in Walt Disney World somewhere, email us at photos at www.radio.com. We'll post those on the blog. Also, be sure and join us every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern for WDW Radio Live. You can watch and chat real-time in the chat room as we discuss this week's Walt Disney World news, where you can be part of the show and broadcast as well. Be sure and sign up for our free email newsletter with exclusive content, contests, offers, and so much more. And download the free WDW Radio app for your iPhone, iPad, or Android device. I also have a special going on exclusively for listeners of the show. If you visit www.radio.com slash shop, you can now save 50% off all the audio guides to Walt Disney World by using code FRIEND50. There you can also purchase my Walt Disney World trivia books and logo gear from Zazzle.com. You know, I love hearing from you. want you to be part of the show. You can call the voicemail at 407-900-9391. That's 407-900-WDW1 with a question, comment, or just saying hello from the parks. Or if you have a question you want answered on the show, you can email me at lou at www.radio.com. Follow me over on Twitter. I am at Lou Mangiello. You can come subscribe to my page, facebook.com slash Lou Mangiello as well. You know, as much as I love connecting with you virtually, online, nothing beats a handshake and a hug. And that's why we have our Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World. Thanks to everybody who came out to Japan and Epcot last week for our Meet of the Month and then stayed for the Village People later on that night. Our next Meet of the Month is going to be in May for Star Wars Weekends. Stay tuned for details. But as, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're also taking WW Radio on the road. We've been to the Family Museum. We'll have a booth again this year at Disney's D23 Expo in California, going out to Toronto. And I'm going back to the Northeast, where it all began. I grew up in New Jersey. We met up last year for a meetup in New York City, and about 230 of us got together at Bryant Park in New York City, then went over to the Disney Store in Times Square. But this year, I want to do something a little bit different, a little bit bigger, and really make this a weekend of fun, food, of course, and friends, because I want to come back home to Jersey. 
Four years ago, before I moved to Florida, we had sort of a farewell party at the Menlo Park Mall in Edison, and I want to sort of take that experience and really expand on it. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a weekend back in Jersey. And it's going to be the weekend of Friday, June 21st through Sunday, June 23rd. And rather just meet up in the park for an afternoon, let's make it a weekend long event. Our home base is going to be the Hilton Garden Inn at Raritan Center in Edison, New Jersey. The hotel is located just a couple of minutes from the New Jersey Turnpike, the Garden State Parkway, Route 287, very close to the Metro Park train station, which is serviced by Amtrak and New Jersey Transit. So whether you're coming from the south or the north or the west, really easy, really convenient to get to. And what we've done is we've rented out a ballroom there from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. for a day full of mixers and activities and contests, a game show. We're going to do a live recording of a WWE radio show. We're going to have pin and vinylmation trading, trivia contests, activity bags for kids, door decorating contests, a few surprises, lunch, a charity auction raffle, and so, so much more. But we don't want you to just come for the day. We want you to stay for the weekend. So what we've done is we've arranged with the Hilton Garden Inn a very special rate just for members of the WW Radio family. Rooms are available on Friday and Saturday nights for just $92 per night. You can call and book directly with the hotel. And we want you to come in on Friday. We'll do a group dinner Friday night. Maybe have a pool party at the hotel later on that evening. And then Sunday, we're going to have another very special event after breakfast that you're going to be able to join us for with the entire family. We're going to have additional details coming soon. After the event on Saturday, we're also going to have another optional dinner at the world-famous and amazing Harold's Deli, which is located right across the street from the hotel. If you've never heard of Harold's, check the website at haroldsfamousdeli.com. And look at the photos as well, too. Seating is going to be limited for that as well, too. Later on that night, we're going to go to Monsters University at the AMC Theater at Menlo Park Mall. It's going to be opening weekend. So it's going to be a full day full of Disney, fun, friends, of course, food, and a movie later on at night. And again, we have that special event on Sunday as well. Visit the events page over at www.radio.com for more information, details, and you'll be able to purchase your tickets on Wednesday, April 24th, starting at 6 p.m. right there as well, too. You'll also find information about the Hilton Garden Inn and the phone number you can call to book your room as well for Friday and Saturday night. Again, we invite you and hope that you can stay for the entire weekend or at the very least our event on Saturday and uh, all the fun we're going to have on Sunday too. Really excited to share some more details about what's going to happen on Sunday as well. Really uh, a reason that you guys should stay over with us on Saturday night. So I'm really looking forward to coming back to my hometown in New Jersey and seeing old friends and new and sharing a great weekend with all of you. Hope that you guys can make it. If you have any questions, you can email me at lou at www.radio.com. Quick thanks as always to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. They're my official recommended travel provider. Whether you're coming to Disney World, Land, Adventures by Disney, or coming with us on the Disney Fantasy, November 2nd through the 9th, with our special guest, Ridley Pearson, Becky and her agents get to the best possible prices, all the available discounts at no additional cost to you. And of course, their incredible level of personal service is what separates them from everyone else. If you want some Disney magic delivered right to your door, Celebrations Magazine is available in print, bi-monthly, or digitally on your iPad, your iPhone, your uh, Kindle device. You can subscribe, order back issues over at celebrationspress.com. And finally, my friends, and you are my friends, whether we have met yet or not, all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. 
tweet out that you're listening, share links, and come by and comment over on Facebook as well. And please come by, rate and review the show and the app over in iTunes. Very, very helpful. Very much appreciated. And I want to sincerely thank all of you again for taking the time to tune in every week, to email, to come out to the meets and be so supportive and such good friends to me and letting me share my passion for Disney with you. And I want you to do the same. I want you to feel that same burn and passion every day. So stop worrying about it and think about how far you still have to go. Focus on how far you've come and always, always keep moving forward. I hope you guys have a great week this week. So until next time, thanks again. See ya. Hey, Lou, David Z here from Richmond, Virginia. I'm listening to episode 296 where you guys are reviewing the Territory Lounge. No, I'm a little bit behind, trying to get caught up. Um, but you guys pointed out some of the Asian inspiration behind some of the dishes that's available at the, at the uh, Territory Lounge. Just wanted to let you know that that's all part of the backstory, the amazing backstory of the lodge. Um, obviously, when the rail was expanded, they hired cheapest slavery they could, and at the time it was Chinese immigrants. Um, and as you can see throughout the lodge, especially the Carrollwood Room, the rail had a lot, a lot of inspiration behind the decorations, and I guess the food also. It's a neat Imagineer pack for you there. Thought everybody would enjoy that. Have a nice day. Hey, Lou, this is Matt from uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I was just calling uh, to tell you that the first place I would probably want to show Walt was uh, something that he probably never got to see in or ne- you know, he, he saw on plans, but he probably never got to see in person for sure, was um, the Utilidors. And uh, while I haven't been down there on a tour yet, but just the marvel and amazement that, you know, that I've, I've seen it on TV, on the specials and everything, but just, just the way that things flow and transition so that he didn't have that luxury in Disney, Disneyland Park. So um, I just think that uh, he would be he would uh, just really think that that's amazing what the Imagineers were able to, to accomplish there in uh, in the construction site and everything. But also, uh, um, you know, where he would stay, I think I think he would like to uh, stay at Fort Wilderness and show them that, show them the grounds there and uh, maybe stay in one of the cabins and, and just cause I think he would enjoy that rustic feel and uh, probably even eat dinner at, uh, my, you know, hoop doo review. Yeah, so... You know, he'd probably enjoy that uh, show. So um, those are my thoughts, and uh, keep up the good work, enjoying it, and uh, keep moving forward, friend. Bye. Hi, Lou. It's Jeff from St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, here it is, the middle of April, and they're getting eight inches of snow in Minnesota. So uh, my wife and I have decided to go out to Disneyland and try and get away from winter for a while. Uh, we're currently in Arizona driving over to Disneyland, and going to be going to Walt's Barn this weekend up in Griffith Park and then going to Disneyland and staying at the California Adventure for a week. So uh, we had our 20th wedding anniversary last month, and we're getting ready to go have a good time in Disneyland. Hope your week's going good, and we'll talk to you later. Bye. You've got a friend.